0: Good morning, Crossroads. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to our Sunday morning worship celebration, where we love celebrating Jesus, but we also love uh, paying honor and respect to those who gave their lives to defend our freedom. Uh, for those of you who did not know and only thought it was like meat and barbecue day sale, Monday is uh, Memorial Day. So I just want to take a moment pray for uh, those family members of veterans who gave their lives and gave their all to defend our way of life. So if you would just bow your heads for a moment. God, we thank you so much uh, for the freedom that you give us and the freedom on which this nation was founded, the freedom that comes from you, our creator. And God, we thank you for those men and women who gave their lives and those family members who lost their loved ones who were defending those freedoms that we appreciate. God, we pray that this weekend and tomorrow on Memorial Day that we as a nation would just bow our heads in honor and respect first and foremost of you, our Creator than for those valiant men and women and the sacrifice that they gave for this nation. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. Uh, before, before I continue, let me just say this. I want to thank everyone uh, for being so welcoming to Christian and Magali and Tim who were here last week um, from Chile. Uh, there's a couple of families in Chile that Christian and I are close with and, and stay in contact with. Uh, and I was inspired by his talk last week about living my life with the same amount of passion that Christ gave his life for us. Uh, and I just walked away thinking, wow, um, I'm, I'm going to just try to be more passionate about my relationship with God. Now, here's the thing. In the coming weeks, I'm going to ask you guys to uh, uh, be praying for this because a couple of things. One is uh, pray about um, whether or not we as a congregation, as you guys know, we support lots of missionaries, lots, couple, however many, uh, but uh, whether or not. Uh, We as a congregation want to also take them on as a missionary uh, couple that we support, which would be different for us because we support like, you know, we've got Jessica, we've got um, Jane, Paulie, Karen Zando. But they're all like Americans from America who went out to other countries. This is us taking on a missionary couple in another country from another country that's sharing the gospel in that country. So uh, just in the coming weeks, pray about that, and uh, we'll hear more about uh, how and if and what that's something we should do, but also pray about a possible mission trip to Chile. Uh, f- literally from the day we got here, that's something that I've been praying about, uh, is whether or not we can uh, make that happen, and them coming here was kind of like a blessing because uh, I had not anticipated them coming, and we moved a, a lot of things around to, to accommodate them, but... Uh, yeah, pray about that. In the next 12 to 18 months, a mission trip uh, to Chile. And uh, yeah, so and, and just so I can have it on the record because we are recording this. Uh, Gary will be retired, so I'm going to hit him up. Larry is retired, so I'm going to hit him up. Augie is retired, so I'm going to hit him up. Uh, so yeah, uh, there's, there's three already ready to go to Chile. And I'll give you more details, so just be praying about that. But right now, we're finishing a series that we're doing talking about uh, the Trinity and looking at God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, and if you were here over the last couple of weeks, we we're talking about using the analogy of the, uh, how many guys remember the Abaddon Castello, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Uh, and we said it's a great analogy because that's sometimes what we sound like when we try to explain this concept of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Trinity to people who aren't familiar with it. Uh, that's what it can come across like, where we know what we're talking about, but to them, it sounds like we haven't got a clue. Uh, we also said it's, it's a great analogy because God the Father, he would be on first. Uh, God the Son, Jesus Christ, he would be on second. God the Holy Spirit, he would be the third. And it's not first, second, and third in order of priority. Uh, each, God the Father, God the Son, God, the Holy Spirit are all equally God, three Who's, three persons, one what, one God. All right. Uh, and here's the plan this morning. Here's what we're going to do um, quickly: is uh, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about what's wrong, what information that's out there, the myths, for lack of a better term, about the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of them out there. Uh, so we walk away with an understanding of what's right, what's true about the Holy Spirit from God's word, not a person's opinion, not a denomination's opinion, just as what the the Bible say. Uh, And also, here's the most important thing, why it's important to us. Why does this even matter? Why are we talking about this? So quickly, uh, how many of you guys have ever seen that show Mythbusters? Okay, yeah. So uh, I couldn't get all of them to talk about the myths of the Holy Spirit. So what we have is actually none of them. Just wanted to see how many people were paying attention. All right, none of them. But we are going to talk about a few of the myths. And the first myth is that the Holy Spirit is a New Testament concept. Anyone ever hear that in talking? And not only the Holy Spirit, but the concept of the Trinity uh, is supposedly a New Testament concept. Not even New Testament, actually. There are some people that say concept of the Trinity, this God existing as three persons, one God, didn't occur until the 1800s. That's not true. What actually happened is it was taught, as we're going to see, from the scriptures by the apostles from the very beginning, and even in the Old Testament, as we're going to see, the concept of uh, the Holy Spirit. But then what happened was in 3, 4, 500 A.D., it stopped being discussed. It stopped being taught as the church itself changed. And then in 1800s is when they started Talking about it again because they were like, hey, what we're being taught is not what the scriptures say. Okay? So we're going to look at that and uh, I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles out, turn to the book of 1 Corinthians and just stay right there for a minute because I'm going to walk through a bunch of other scriptures and then we're going to read through 1 Corinthians. All right? So uh, here's what the Old Testament says about the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you guys are familiar with King David? Yeah. King of Israel, uh, this is what it says, Second Samuel chapter 23, verses 1 to 4, this is the NIV version. These are the last words of David, the inspired utterance of David, son of Jesse, the utterance of the man exalted by the Most High. So, you know, uh, Samuel uh, is writing this about David and saying this is the last thing that David said, okay? Um, the man anointed by the God of Jacob, the hero of Israel's songs, because all kind of songs were written about, you know, David and all of his uh, accomplishments and how he slew giants and he was a great king and all this stuff. Um, And verse two, here's what it says. The spirit of the Lord spoke through me. This is David speaking. And he says, the spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me, and this is what he said, when one rules over people in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, He is like the light of morning at sunrise on the cloudless morning, like the brightness after rain that brings grass from the earth. So basically, this is what David is saying. He's saying the spirit of the Lord, and that phrase appears, I think, like 26, 27, or 28 times in the Old Testament, spoke through me. And then he says the God of Israel spoke. So from David's perspective, he's equating the spirit of the Lord with the God of Israel. And he's equating them as one. So From an old, and there's so many other, like, literally dozens upon dozens of verses where they look at and say that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord spoke, or the Spirit of the Lord did this, or the Spirit of the Lord came upon me, or verses where it says the Spirit of the Lord in one breath, and then says, but God in another breath, equating the two as one, okay? So it's not a New Testament concept. From the very beginning, there was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? Second myth is that not everyone receives the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of people that say, you know, you've got to be, I talked to someone who was in our uh, online Bible study and he was saying that you've got to live your life a certain way before you receive the Holy Spirit, which is not true according to Scripture. Now, not everyone, this is semi-true because not everyone receives the Holy Spirit, however, Everyone who puts their faith and trust in God receives the Holy Spirit, okay? And this is a verse that we've looked at uh, many times before. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, a group of people who are trying to understand this God thing. And he says, and you also were included in Christ, you became a Christian, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. This is this is what he says. He says, you heard the word of truth, you heard the gospel, you believed it, and when you believed it, God marked you with his holy spirit. Now, how many of you guys ever, you know, go running out to the parents car and you called shotgun? I got shotgun, which means yeah, many of you did you probably did it as a kid. I did it a couple weeks ago, but it's, it's basically saying, letting everyone who's in earshot know, hey, that seat is mine, and it knows that means the front seat, okay, so everyone who can hear, that seat is mine. doesn't matter if I'm the last one to the car or not, that seat is mine. And here's what God does. God exists outside of time, okay, so if everything in this room is time, and let's say everything outside of this room is outside of time, just Just geek out with me for a minute, all right? Uh, Just get your Doctor Who on. So he's outside of time. If you don't know who Doctor Who is, just go with me. So he's outside of time. So God sees everything that has happened, is happening, and will happen, okay? So God knows who is going to step across the line of faith. But for us, for example, let's say Larry and Sharon aren't here, so let's talk about them. So let's say Larry and Sharon have another child. You know, the spirit of Abraham comes on Larry and Sharon gets pregnant. You can Google that too. And then uh, they have another baby. And let's just say they call that baby Floyd. So sometime in the future, that baby might step across the line of faith and say, I want to commit my life to, to Christ. I want to know this God that everyone's talking about, that created everything. Now, God, because he's outside of time, right now can see that event, even though it might be 20, 30 years from now where this Floyd commits his life to Christ. But right now, because God is outside of time, that event is not 20 or 30 years for God. It just is. So God looks at Larry and Sharon's little baby Floyd, who's pretty handsome, by the way, and says, looks at that child and says, you know what? I call shotgun on that baby because he is mine. God knows that he's going to step across the line of faith, and he calls shotgun and says, he is mine. I'm calling shotgun. And then when little Floyd steps across the line of faith, then God seals him with his Holy Spirit, And God's spirit literally comes to dwell inside of him. It's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, to dwell inside of him. And this is what Paul is talking about, all right? So, sorry, that was a long story short, uh, but basically, uh, so true, not every person on the planet receives God's Holy Spirit. But every believer, every person who steps across the line of faith and says, I'm going to put my faith and trust in God. I want to know this God. And as Paul says, who hears the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believes it, then they receive God's Holy Spirit. Myth number three, and this is going to kind of help us understand more about the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit is not God. Because there are some people who believe that it's not fully God, that the Holy Spirit is just God's Spirit, a portion that God gives into you. Like he gives you a little bit Like, does anyone have a favorite food? Nobody? Okay, yeah, I do. I like, for example, onion, garlic, potato chips, not just any, well, I have a lot of favorite fruits, but onion, garlic, potato chips, not just any onion, garlic, potato chips, they have to be wise potato chips. Now, I like them, and I love my wife, but I know she does not appreciate them as much as I do. So when I go to get some, And she says, can I have some? Despite what Pringles will tell you, I give her just one. Because I know she's not going to appreciate, like, like love them like I do. If I had replaced it with any other chip, she'd be just as happy. But to me, they're precious. I love them. They're great. And, yes, that's all the MSG talking, but, hey, it works. So this is what God does. When God gives us his Holy Spirit, he doesn't give us just, like, a little portion of it, or a piece of it. The complete and fullness of God's Holy Spirit dwells in those who step across the line of faith. So those who say that the Holy Spirit is not God, it's just a portion of God, or it's just the Spirit of God, they're not quite right, because the Holy Spirit is not a what, it's not a portion of God, it's not a this of God, but a who, because the Holy Spirit is God. And it's not like if you put three christians in a room they each have a third of the holy spirit of god they each have the fullness of god's spirit dwelling inside of them and we say well how can that be how can we understand that mathematically if there's two billion christians on the planet then they each should have one one billionth or one two billionth or you see i wouldn't be the one to make that out but yeah but that's not the case that's not the way god works because God is not bound by the same limitations that we're bound by, all right? So now, uh, uh, there are, for those who say that the Holy Spirit is not God, there are literally, and time doesn't permit us to go over all of the abundance of verses that talk about the holiness of God and the holiness of the Holy Spirit, the eternal eternalness of God and the eternalness of the Holy Spirit. So let me just share a f- few with you quickly before we jump into 1 Corinthians 12. And this is what it says. John says this. And, again, John, Paul, you know, Peter, the guys who were the first century church, this is what they said. This is what they taught. This is what they communicated uh, to people about the Trinity and about God and about the Spirit. This is John writing what Jesus said. So he's quoting Jesus. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So this is what Jesus is saying. He says, I'm going to send you another counselor. And the Greek word that's used for another, there's two words that were used for another. One is another of a different type, like another meaning, you know, an apple and a brick. I'm going to send you another object. First one was an apple, next one is a brick different type. And then there's another Greek word that's used. I'm going to send you an apple and an orange, another of the same type of fruit, edible, still use it, a fruit. This means another of the same type. And so what Jesus is saying, I'm going to send you another of the same type, another counselor. Who was the first counselor? Jesus. And he says, I'm going to send, the father will send another of the same type who will be with you forever the spirit of the truth. And he says, The world doesn't know him, but you know him, for he lives with you. And who lived with the apostles? Jesus. And will be in you, the Holy Spirit. And I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. So he is making, again, the case for hey, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all is one. I'm going to be with you. How am I going to be with you forever? Because you're going to have God the Spirit. In you forever as believers. Okay? Now, this is what uh, it says in Acts. And some of you may be familiar with this this account in Scripture. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. Uh, Just for the record, when you look at a lot of the names in the Bible and they seem kind of weird, kind of makes naming your child Floyd seem pretty logical, right? Okay, so uh, also sold a piece of property with his wife's full knowledge. He kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, nothing wrong with that. He, he, he sold property. He said, I'm going to donate some to the church. Uh, so, But with his wife's homage, he kept back a part and brought the rest. Nothing wrong with it. If you, you know, like we said, it's about what you feel is pleasing to God. But here's what he did. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit. To who? The Holy Spirit. To who? The Holy Spirit. Yeah. And have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? Yeah, it did. And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? Yes, it was. What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. Lied to who? To God. Yeah. So this is, this is Peter saying, hey, and again, it wasn't about the money. It's about the fact that out of the 100000 he got for the property, he brought 10000 and said, I'm giving the total amount that I received for the property to God. And it wasn't. And Peter's saying, you didn't just lie to the Holy Spirit. You lied to God. God and the Holy Spirit as one, right? So we're going to move past the this. Uh, And if you believe that Jesus was fully God and fully man, then know that the Holy Spirit is fully God, not just a portion of God, uh, but fully God. And so when people ask, hey, I'm trying to understand. Give me an example of what you mean by God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but this is what works for me is first I tell them, well, I can't give you a great example because there is absolutely nothing like it on the planet. There is nothing to compare it to. Nothing exists like the Trinity. So the only thing that I can tell you is that there is one God who exists as three persons God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three who's, one what, one God. Okay? Now, here's the thing that we're going to talk about, and we're going to close out with this. Why is this important to us? And I'm glad you asked. It is important to us because the Holy Spirit comes, dwells inside of us, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and enables us with spiritual, because now we have this spiritual entity, God is a spirit, that literally cohabitates, habitates, that lives inside of us. And it is through that relationship that we're able to do some of the amazing things that we would not normally be able to do, and these are called gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are spiritual gifts, okay? Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and many of you are familiar with this list, so we're not going to spend a a, a whole lot of time on it, uh, but we are going to spend the time talking about just one portion of this paragraph. So go to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. If you have a Bible, there's a Bible under your chair, left, right, somewhere. Uh, underneath or around you. If not, just raise your hand and we'll get someone to uh, bring you a Bible. And this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth in responding to uh, many of your Bibles say now as the very first word. And the reason it says now is because he's responding to inquiries they made about, hey, what, what's this we hear about the spiritual gifts? Are we supposed to get something? Are we supposed to do something? And he says, now about spiritual gifts, brother. I do not want you to be ignorant. In other words, we're not supposed to be clueless about spiritual gifts. We're supposed to know a little something about it. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit living in us. And he says, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Okay? This is, again, that seal That is in you. And you will not find people who don't. There are a lot of people who go to church. There are a lot of people who were brought up in the church. But Jesus knows which of those are truly Christ followers because the God's Holy Spirit, the very spirit of God, resides in them. Now, this is important. He says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. (coughs) So he says there's different ways to serve. There's different spiritual gifts. (coughs) Excuse me. But they all come from the same God. And this is key. This is what he says. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. This is probably the most important. And I know a lot of people focus on the list of gifts that are listed. <clears throat> Excuse me. And what gift you have and, and how you use it. Most important thing if you have God's Spirit in you, God has given you, equips you with a spiritual gift for the common good. It's not for you, it's to bless the lives of others. It's to be used in the community, in the congregation, to help others. Other people, and there are people who, who, not just in church but in the congregation, and doing all kind of stuff, go out and use their gifts to really help and bless the lives of others, all right? <coughs> and I'm sorry, I keep coughing. <coughs> Excuse me. Water's back there, but it's for the common good. And now, this is what he says: to one there is giving through the Spirit, the message of wisdom; to another, the message of knowledge. By means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, you are awesome. Thank you, Michael. To another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, hold that thought. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit Circle this and underline this. And he, not it, he, the Spirit of God, gives them to each one just as he determines. And people get caught up on, well, do I have the gift of prophecy? Do I have the gift of healing? And why don't we see these same gifts today? And if you read through the book of Acts, the early church was founded on three things. Number one, Sharing the gospel, just like we read in that verse to Ephesians. People going out and sharing the gospel. Number two, spirit-filled believers using their gifts, not just in the church, but outside of the church, where other people could see them using their gifts and then say, wow, that's amazing. You're constantly doing this, this, and this. I want to live like that. And then the third one, which is my favorite, is what we're going to do when we break out the reader's water ice, food and fellowship throughout the Bible, throughout the book of Acts. People gathering, sharing, and, and breaking bread with one another, eating food with one another, praying and praising with one another, laughing and doing life with one another. Okay? Now, uh, let me close with this because this is important. This is what Peter says, 1 Peter 4. Each one should use whatever gifts he has received to serve others, faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. You're not given a spiritual gift because you're that cool or you're that awesome. It is the grace of God. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You use your gifts to bless the lives of others so that God can be praised. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I want to I show you something really quick. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And as they do, this is what happens. Actually, hold on. Stop right there. Stop. Right there. Come. Come to the front. Stop right there. Stop right there. Uh, uh, come on. Come on. Come on. Come up. Come up. It's like what is that? Freeze tag. Freeze. Okay. Uh, stop right here. Because this is this this is. I want you to imagine life in congregations where no one is using their spiritual gifts. Because what would happen is I would say, hey. We want the band to come up because we're going to sing some songs. You guys grab a seat in the front or second row right there. We're going to sing some songs, and no one would come up because no one's practiced or no one wants to use their gifts in the church. Or we'd say, hey, we're, we're going to do um, our fourth Sunday Fellowship Fantastic Four May activity, whatever we decide to name that thing. We're going to do that and uh, be like, hey, Rachel, what are we going to do next Month And she'd be saying, I don't know. I don't want to use my gifts or my talents. I don't want to plan anything. And then what would have happened, I doubt we would have been here this long, is if we would have said, hey, it would have started with welcome to our Sunday morning worship celebration. And then when it was time for the message, I would have come sat down and we would have sat here waiting for someone to preach and to teach I probably would have made it three minutes. Some of you guys would have been gone, like, okay, nothing's happening. I'm going to go catch the game. But this is what it would be like if no one used their spiritual gifts. Actually, the building would probably be empty because none of you guys would be here. Um, it probably wouldn't be clean in here. Uh, the grass definitely wouldn't be cut. Um, nothing would get done in the church, in the community. Oh, we're actually filming this, so there's people looking at dead space. Okay, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's what it's like. You guys can come on up. When people do not use their gifts and say, hey, I'm just going to let someone else do it. And if you are a Christ follower, the reason why there's so many different amazing ministries is because there's so many people that say, hey, I've got a gift and I want to see this done or I want this type of ministry done or I want that type of ministry done. And the ministry that... um, uh, uh, Christian and McGalley do, where they bring people in and they play all kinds of sports. And their property, I don't know if you could get it from the video, uh, but their property is like a resort. I mean, there's, there's like three swimming pools, there might be four, uh, three swimming pools, tennis courts, volleyball, basketball courts, all kind of stuff meticulously overlooking the city at the foot of the Andes Mountains. It's like awesome. But they say, hey, I'm going to use my gift to go and share the gospel with people in this community. And what they didn't tell you was, and I don't think it's changed much, um, because I know he said out of the 800 kids they brought through the camp, there was like 200 and something that committed their lives to Christ. If you take that 200 something, usually, not all the time, usually, 10 to 15, sometimes 20% of those ones who commit their lives to Christ, come back another week because they go out and tell a friend, hey, you got to come check this out. And then out of that group, usually, there's a smaller like 5 to 10% that say, my life was so radically changed that I'm going to go to their Bible Institute and do what they do. I'm going to go use my gifts to share the gospel with people. And it's important that we understand that uh, using the gifts that God has given you, it's not about me being glorified. It's not about how cool I am. It's about God using us so that we can bless the lives of others and so that his kingdom can be exalted. Now, let me share this last story with you, and then we're going to close with a final song. And I know um, 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 this might be a little bit weird and and harsh for some of you guys, but uh, sometimes God gives us spiritual gifts for just a season, just for a moment or just for a special reason, okay? And I'm not not trying to dwell on on them, but this is appropriate. Um, Now, Rachel has the gift of exhortation. Great encourager, come alongside people, encourage them, exhort them, and that's why she goes to Special Olympics, uh, I think long before I got here that that she's been doing that. Um, And it's not because she's like the greatest athlete in the world, not saying you're not. But it's because she wants to go and encourage those kids. And because she was using that gift not in the church, in the community, she just happened to meet Victoria and Stephen and Karen. Now, they were already going to another church, as many of you know. But then for that particular moment, the gift of, I don't want to say evangelism, but uh, if you can call it the gift of inviting uh, more faith, actually, She stepped out in faith and invited them to come here. And that's how we got to know them. And every now and then, God will just give you just a small little gift for a purpose or for a reason. And if, you know, in our Bible study, we were looking at the tabernacle, and uh, people in the desert who were previously slaves with no money and no skills— got carpentry skills, welding skills, and learned how to cut jewelry. People who had never had jewelry, they were farmers and slaves because God equipped them for that season and for that reason with a spiritual gift. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and I want to pray before we sing this last song. I know we're going a little bit long, but bear with me. God, we just pray that as you reveal your gifts that you give to us, As you reveal them to us, that we would faithfully use our gifts to bless the lives of others. And as we read, so that Jesus would be praised. God, we put our faith in you, we put our trust in you. And in every situation, we want to be able to step out in faith, trusting that everything is in your hands. We pray this in Jesus' name.